Welcome to The Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers Tribute podcast. I'm your host, Rick Lee James of rickleejames.com, and I run the Mr. Rogers Quotes Twitter account found at Mr. Rogers Say. As we again walk into this podcast neighborhood, I want you to know that no matter where you are from, you are welcome here. I'm glad to be your neighbor. Every daughter, every son, every tribe, and every tongue in the spirit of Fred Rogers and the life of welcome that he lived, welcome to the neighborhood. This week is a special bonus episode with Chicago-based singer and songwriter Daniel Knox. Daniel Knox has a commanding baritone voice that can invoke both power and tenderness interchangeably. On his latest album, You Are My Friend, The Songs of Mr. Rogers, Knox captures the care and generosity of Fred Rogers' music, honors the original spirit of the music of Mr. Rogers, while infusing it with the complications of life, adding his own musical ideas. Hearing the childlike, welcoming lyrics of Fred Rogers through the sound of a strong baritone voice makes this album unique and original among the library of Mr. Rogers' tribute projects that have released over the years. Knox's blanket of simple piano melodies and distinctive vocals invite the listener into a playful atmosphere where they can grapple with the joys and fears that confront both adults and children alike. You Are My Friend is like a Mr. Rogers album for contemplative adults that helps us to laugh, cry, and reflect and navigate the joys and the sorrows of adulthood. It's like musical medicine for weary souls who long to see the world again through the eyes of a child. Daniel Knox has stopped by the neighborhood for a visit today, and I'm so glad he has. Daniel Knox, welcome to the neighborhood. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really glad to have you here tonight, and I I love the new album, and I can't wait to to talk with you more about it and to share some of the music at the end of our episode tonight with listeners. But before we do any of that, I I first just want to ask, how are things for you? I know these are strange days, and we're still in uh, a mode in our country and really in our world of, of fighting this pandemic, and we're not. uh, Life is just unusual. So first, I just want to ask, how are you doing? Well, thanks for asking. I'm I'm doing okay. You know, uh, I had a, a a big tour planned. I was going to be playing a lot of shows in 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 Europe, and that got obviously put off. And uh. So I've just I've just been at home, and I've, I've put this this new record out, and uh, I think it's kind of I, I I'd intended to put it out much later, but I think it's actually a really good time to put it out for a lot of reasons. But I I've just been at home and. Uh, uh, studying and and playing music and and trying to uh, kind of keep my head on straight. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that that your tour got canceled. Uh, I'm not sorry that you had to release the album a little early because it's right. been it's been really good medicine, I think, for me and for a lot of other people. Every guest that I've had on this show, they have their own Mr. Rogers story of a way that Fred Rogers influenced them or left a mark on their life in some way. Uh, Some of our guests even met him at some point or knew him well. Uh, Others of us just kind of knew him from afar. I'd love to know, what is your Mr. Rogers story? Well, I think like a lot of people, uh, I grew up watching... Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in the 80s, and I watched it on a, a 
great big television back when TVs were sort of more like a piece of furniture, the big, uh, more like a dresser with a TV inside of it. And, uh, you know, the thing that I, I liked the most about him was that uh, he tended to talk about sadness and things that were sort of difficult. And as a boy, uh, I, I guess I felt kind of insulted by a lot of children's music and children's programming, which tended to revolve mostly around silliness and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, either silliness or sort of like a moralizing authoritarian, you, you should do this, you shouldn't do this, you know, good kids do this, bad kids do that. And, with him, it was a very, uh, very direct way of speaking about uh, sadness, and uh, for whatever reason, that you know, I liked to cry. I enjoyed mm. crying. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. I enjoyed the catharsis of it, I guess you could say. Mm. And I liked things that made me cry because they kind of made me uh, think a little bit more, and. Um, you know, I, <laughs> that it's not much of a story, really. It's just that uh, that's, I think, how I tended to relate to him and his, his show. Sure. Yeah. No, I, and I get that. I think you're right. It is cathartic to be able to get those emotions out. And, and Fred Rogers certainly uh, did that in a way that very few uh, children's hosts, I think, if any, have ever done before, and and I've commented on this many times uh, on this podcast over the the time that I've been doing it over the last year. Uh, it was kind of amazing the way that he had a way in his communication style that even though he was on TV and we were watching him, it felt like he was listening, and that's a really special gift, I think, uh, for him to be able to do that and. Uh, and you're right, boy, he just didn't shy away from, from hard things, whether it be death or divorce or even war and things that right. you wouldn't think would make good topics at all. Um, but yeah, well, thank you for thank you for sharing just the way that it touched your life. I, I think a lot of people might be surprised when you say um, say that he helped us to embrace sadness <laughs> in a way but right. it really was something he did and uh, it just shows you that the kind of depth of of places that he went throughout the course of well, his life and his show i think that you know one of the ways that he was able to do that was by not um making sadness or darkness uh melodramatic if mm. it, it it, it was a way of kind of normalizing it, saying these are mm -hmm. these are things that happen in life and 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 then they're over. And but it's yeah. a part of everybody's life and that it's normal. I think as opposed to it being this like highly dramatic, uh, grave sort of sort of thing. I think that uh, that kind of is what sets him apart because there were other probably you know other children's uh, programs and entertainers that 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 would address those things, but they would tend to do it in a different light as opposed to just accepting it as part of normal life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent observation. Uh, I'm, I wonder it just in sort of the making of this album, 
how did this all come about in the first place? Because you've you've done some other wonderful albums, and and I hope we'll have time to talk, especially about your your work doing the music of Twin Peaks a little bit later in the show. Um, but you obviously have a lot of different musical interests, and uh, how was it that that you were led first, I guess, to to even attempt an album like this? So uh, it's interesting. I, I you know I, I hadn't thought about his music for a long time and then um years ago i guess maybe 10 years ago when i was sort of just getting started performing i was offered a chance to do this concert and it was like uh they mentioned that everybody had to pick an artist and do some of their their material and i Mm -hmm. Um, I thought of him just sort of in passing and I, I went back and, and listened. I, I, I bought a bunch of the LPs. Um, I think, uh, come on and wake up and a place of place of your own and an, a, a different one. I can't remember the name of, and I, I listened to them really closely and I learned a whole show's worth of songs. And then I did this concert and it went so badly. Um, not because I played badly. I think I actually played pretty well but like almost nobody was there. And then this guy at the concert handed out whistles to everybody and they blew the whistles while I was, while I was playing. Oh was no. Big, big disaster. So it was always this kind of this heartbreak for me and I wanted to revisit it. And, and I had also, um, you know, since then, uh, uh, become a father and I, I, uh, listened to his music with my daughter and, and she, uh, really related to it and, and, and loved it. So it, it had been something I'd always wanted to do. And then um, I reached this kind of natural break in my songwriting where I had kind of wanted to do different a different sort of work. Um, mm-hmm. I had made four records that had a very distinct kind of style to them, one maybe a little bit different, and I wanted to do something different. So I made a short album of very abstract songs and then you know i i I just like every time i sat down to try to do something that was new it felt like i was either taking you know when you take a step towards something or away from something it it still feels like a step in relation to that thing Mm -hmm. so i needed to live in somebody else's imagination and another person's work and so the two things that felt most natural to me were Twin Peaks and Mr. Rogers and I found myself with uh, some studio time and I just set to learning all these songs and and, um, you know trying to live in the songwriting of somebody else and i think that uh i kind of made these the twin peaks record and the mr rogers record as kind of un unintentional companions to each other Hmm. yeah well you know i was going to wait until a little later in the show but you've created a, a natural segue with this actually talking about the twin peaks record and i think in some ways um the music that angela badalamente uh, wrote and the lyrics of, of David Lynch uh, and the way that you do them, they're almost two sides of the same coin, really, I think. Uh, because I, I think that 
David Lynch as a as a film director and and shows like Twin Peaks or the different movies that he made. Um, I don't know that his mission is actually that much different than Fred Rogers' mission because one of my favorite and maybe one of the most well-known quotes of Fred Rogers is try your best to make goodness attractive. That's one of the toughest assignments you'll ever be given. And mm. I, I think it's interesting that David Lynch, often through very dark material, I think he's actually doing that same thing. He's making goodness attractive in a way that he portrays evil so clearly i think sometimes and i don't know i'd love to hear your thoughts on that because you've done obviously a lot of musical work and and i'm sure you must be a big fan of his as well but i just wonder what your thoughts are on them kind of being two sides of the same coin well that's that's interesting i it's it's difficult to you know i don't i don't know what david lynch's perspective is on inherent goodness Mm-hmm. But I do, I do see them as being two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. I think um, they—they're both. <laughs> it's interesting. They both, both David Lynch and and Fred Rogers, uh, they kind of sound alike. If you listen to how they speak, there's that there's that aspect of it, right? Yeah, but, that's true. But but they're also two people who um, encourage living in the world of imagination Hmm. and promote that, you know, uh, religiously. And David Lynch does that through uh, his films and through his sort of um, being an advocate for meditation and and things like this, Um, but also in his work in the same way that I think Mr. Rogers does in just in the sense of encouraging uh a sense of immersion you know being Mm. immersed in in the work and going you know uh into a sort of dream world and that's one of the things that i loved on mr rogers neighborhood was uh you know when you go into the land of make-believe and and uh it's just kind of a uh very literal demonstration of of going into your imagination yeah yeah certainly uh and and you're right that that's and i hadn't thought of that connection a lot before but you're right i i do remember now that david lynch i'd read a book about him maybe a couple of years ago and uh, he is so much into uh, transcendental meditation and the idea that fred was always talking and and really was was almost a crusader for silence in people's life and and trying right. to get people to take time to listen uh it's it's really fascinating the way that 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 brings about such creativity if we can learn to listen and i think that was something they're both advocates for very much so well listeners are, are going to want to check out uh your music for the twin peaks <laughs> as well as some other albums too so i want to right in the middle of our conversation let our listeners know that danielknox.com uh, k-n-o-x is how you spell knox uh, is a way that they can go and find out about all the music that you have and i'm going to make sure that we have all of your links as well on um, our podcast website at uh, uh, welcome to the neighborhood uh, but let's get into a, a little bit more about your your 
Fred Rogers album today. Um, I, I'm a musician myself, and and I have recorded other people's songs on occasion in recording studios, and I've put them on albums and uh, sung them on concerts. You know, when I've been able to travel. Um, which most of us aren't able to travel too much anymore, unfortunately, right now. I hope yeah. those days are coming when we can again. But have you ever felt like this when you're recording the music of other people, whether it be Angelo Badalamente or Fred Rogers or whoever it may be, that they be, the songs that they have written become very personal when you've gone through things like that, recording them, performing them for others, really making them a part of your heart? Um they can almost feel like you had a hand in writing them in some ways, at least for me, they do, because they become so personal. Sure. I, I just wonder if you have interacted with those songs in that way, that they've really become a part of you in the way that you've performed them. Well, I think when, you know, whenever you're performing a song um, or recording a song, you, at least I tend to try to live inside of it. And, um, you know, really kind of break it open and, and, and live in the, the world of the song, which is to say, uh, not just the song itself, but, um, the world that exists beyond the, the boundaries of it, you know, so mm -hmm. you're, you're really living inside, inside of it. Um, yeah, they, they do become personal for me and I tend to uh, see myself in them after the fact even when I hear others perform them if that makes sense yeah yeah it's uh, I guess I'm not sure entirely how to describe that best yeah well it's it's not an easy thing to describe but but I think you've you've said it pretty well and and I want to ask you while we're talking about ways that songs uh, of Fred Rogers for instance have really become a part of you um, there's one song in particular on the album that I have listened to again and again and it was a favorite song before I heard your version and now that I've heard your version I, I I love it even more, but for different reasons, I think. Um, and that's and that's the song, Sometimes I Wonder If I'm a Mistake. <laughs> and right. to me personally, that song, um, just in the way that it's written, the dialogue beforehand between Daniel and Lady Aberlin, um, it, it, it speaks to the voice that is always in the back of my mind, personally, that causes me to doubt myself. Um, when I heard your version for the first time, uh, honestly, I went to tears uh, because I was I was hearing in a in an adult voice, you know, not not in Daniel Tiger's voice anymore, which is very childlike, um, right. but in your voice, which is such a powerful baritone anyway, um, you're talking as an adult about things that the rest of us I think are wrestling with, and it it had such a different effect. Hearing it in another adult's voice, I think, and I, I don't know if that'll make a ton of sense, but it but it really did to me strike me as quite different because it made me feel like yeah, these same things that we wrestle with as children, we still wrestle with in adulthood, and especially as people who are are creative. Um, I, I wonder if you could just talk a bit about your version of that song because you you do a really interesting recreation 
of an episode really of of the Mr. Rogers neighborhood and right. it's a very famous part but I I'd love to just you know feel feel free to share whatever you like about that but it's just such a, a meaningful song to me and I love the way you did it. Well thank you. And um yeah so that that's probably my favorite song on the record and I you know I'm glad you pointed that out about it being an adult voice because that was actually important to me. You know, um, obviously, you know, I'm not going to like do a Daniel Tiger voice, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> sure. um, but, but I, it, it was important to me to do that dialogue in the beginning um, and have it play in a very sincere way. And uh, Kit Shields, who does a beautiful job, uh, singing the Lady Aberlin part, um, she helped me kind of, you know, construct the, the, uh, the, the duet arrangement of it and everything. And, and, and she did a beautiful job. And, uh, but, but I think though that, that, that I, I like that you pointed out that it's, you know, in an adult voice, because, um, I feel like those feelings never really go away. And they're feelings mm-hmm. that you kind of grow up with when you're young and, and you compare yourself to other people and you, uh, you doubt your, 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 your strengths and you um, kind of build up your weaknesses. And, and I think that uh, that was something where, like, I definitely through this whole record didn't want to put anything unnecessary on the songs. I wanted them all to be very, taken very seriously and taken at face value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, on that one, I'm glad that you point that out because that's something to me where I felt like I was, I was trying to get something across myself and put a bit of myself in it and, and, and sing from that perspective as, as yeah. both a child and, and, and an adult. And, and I think you, you know, you tend to carry those things with you into adulthood and they don't go away. And neither does the, you know, the sense of encouragement that, that comes from, uh, you know, Lady Aberlin's lyrics in the song. Hmm. Well, and I, and I do thank you for mentioning, uh, uh, Kit Shields who sang with you on that duet because she has a, a remarkable voice as well. It's, it's just a very beautiful moment on the album. Uh, and, and I would say that, not just that song, but but really the whole record. I really do appreciate the fact that uh, where a lot of Fred Rogers albums, they almost do try to kidify it a little bit mm-hmm. when they're doing sort of tribute songs. I love the way that you're just being you, using the voice that you have. Um, right. You're not trying to to maybe be a children's show host or anything. And it really does feel like um, you're letting the weight of adulthood speak through these things that Fred Rogers was trying to talk to children about. And, uh, well, I, and I, yeah, yeah, just, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And I, I, I think, you know, the, 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 the most important thing to me in making this record was to treat the material, uh, the way that you would treat something like Irving Berlin or Cole Porter, which is not yeah. to say necessarily to put it, you know, um, on some sort of pedestal, but to strip away things that are unnecessary and lay it kind of bare and listen to the, I wanted, I wanted something where people could really focus on the composition and the lyric mm-hmm. and appreciate their, their innate value without 
you know, as you say, kidifying it and kind mm-hmm. of, because a lot of, you know, a lot of the things that I've heard do that and I don't want to disparage anything, but I just, uh, I, I kind of feel like when that happens, you know, there's, there's people that, that do this material and tend to kind of do it, try to do it in his voice or try mm-hmm. to do it in, in, a, in a way that is sort of condescending the way people speak to children a little bit sometimes. Um, sure. And, and that takes so much away from it for me because uh, I think it's, it's, you know, the, the, the songs are universal. They, they translate to everybody. Yeah. Well, and you know, something that, that I end every episode with is, is a quote from Fred Rogers where uh, he talks about every person being special, you know, and, and there's only one person like you in the world and you have your voice and your style of music and i think if you didn't do it in the way that you can do it best uh it wouldn't ring true and it wouldn't um it wouldn't be the best version that you have and i really do think in many ways it's what it's what makes this whole album stand out and uh, i i just i'm i'm so proud of your uh accomplishment with what you've done here i think it's it's something very unique that i've never heard uh cover songs of fred rogers in this way before and uh and it's it just is is something unique and wonderful. So I appreciate you uh, putting this out into the world for us to hear. And I do think right now is a good moment for it when we are needing some not only encouragement, but you know some of these songs from Fred Rogers that you've recorded they do deal with anger and and madness and uh, just different things that is not are not often associated with Fred Rogers at times. Right. You've done a great job of kind of bringing out a side of Fred Rogers' music that is often overlooked, I think. And so I, I appreciate you you diving in and and finding some of those gems that not everyone knows about for sure. Thank you. Um, well, you know, I, I I love talking to you about your music, and and I want to be, uh, I I want to, uh, I I want to talk about one other thing if you don't mind uh, before we end our conversation tonight, and and I do want to close uh, the show with the song that we've been talking about here. Uh, I wonder if I'm sometimes I wonder if I'm a mistake because I just really think that's a great song. Um, but do you mind if I ask you a question quickly that? you've told me too that you're a film projectionist or at least you were when when there were things like uh going yeah, to in movies the, in the in, in the in the old world that's in the I old did. world for sure uh yeah. yeah i was just curious about that because it actually sounds like to me a fascinating job and i'm i'm wondering how does one go about seeking out being a film projectionist i've, well, I've never really thought about it i'll, I'll tell you uh, I can't recommend that you do go seek it out, especially obviously now, but, it's, uh, <laughs> right. you know, there's not a lot of people that are showing actual film anymore. Digital projection mm-hmm. has sort of taken over. But in my case, I, um, I, I just loved the movie theater. It's an old, it's in the, the music box theater, uh, in Chicago, Illinois. It's a beautiful mm. old movie house from 1929. And I always admired it. I, I used to come up to Chicago from Springfield where I'm from, uh, when I was a kid and go see movies there. And, uh, you know, w- working there was like a, like a dream job. And, and I, you know, I started making popcorn and, uh, there was a, a, a guy named Seabass that was the projectionist when I, when I started there. And I was, a, I was 22 years old then. I'm 39 now. And, uh, and, uh, he, Seabass was quitting and, and asked if I wanted to learn. And so I just sort of learned piecemeal how to, how to run film. And, and, and uh-huh. I had been doing it for quite a long time after that 
And, uh, sounds... it, it is a beautiful, really interesting place, and and uh, and an interesting job. Wow, that that does sound great, and I and so I just wanted to, people to understand the distinction that it's not just you're pushing play; you're an actual film projectionist, you know, and yeah, you're yeah. you're showing some of these great classic films. I have to ask you: Do you have any uh, favorites that you've had the chance to uh, to play the films of at the theater over the years that have just really cool. stuck out to you that you've enjoyed? Yes. Uh, let me think about that. So uh, we had a uh, Guy Madden brought a, a silent film called Brand Upon the Brain, and we had Crispin Glover come and do the narration, and we had a uh, live oh. orchestra and Foley artists. That was one thing, and then uh, wow. David Lynch. David Lynch actually came, and I played the organ while he read a poem, and and uh, I got to meet him and and work with him a little bit, and and uh, wow. yeah, so. Um, well, that, that's those, terrific. Those are two that stick out. Also, running the um, 70 millimeter print of uh, a film called Playtime by Jacques Tati uh, is uh, probably a highlight because it was just one of the most beautiful uh, things I've ever seen. Wow. Well, you've given me a, a film I need to look up then because I don't think I've ever seen that one before. So, it, well, it, oh no, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say if you do if you do watch Playtime, uh, it's uh, watch it on the biggest screen that you can find. <laughs> okay, all right, good advice, very yeah. good. Well, Daniel Knox, uh, as as I think Fred Rogers would probably tell you, I'm just gonna tell you I'm proud of you and what you're doing, and I want to thank you again for making this great album. Uh, for our listeners, uh, I, I really hope that you'll go out and try to find a copy of it. There's even, uh, if you go on the Bandcamp site that Daniel Knox has, uh, he's even made available uh, special edition cassette tapes of the Fred Rogers music. And uh, the album is called You Are My Friend, The Songs of Mr. Rogers, and the artist is Daniel Knox, um, who has been with me and, and been so gracious with his time tonight um so thank you for being here and uh, is there anything else that, that you'd like to add before we end our conversation uh, anything that we can point people to, to to help you more um maybe with getting your music out or, or just anything else in particular you would like our listeners to know tonight well uh i think you've you've pretty much covered it i guess i would like to say i think i said at the the onset here that my tour was canceled which it it isn't it's actually been rescheduled to february and march so uh you know hopefully that 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 all still comes together but i, I should probably make that correction but otherwise oh, okay i just say thanks for for having me and and uh and talking with me about the record i really appreciate it well and i appreciate it too thank you for being here today it's been a real joy thank you for stopping by the neighborhood today Mistakes. What is it? I've been wondering if I'm a mistake. If you were a mistake? Mm-hmm. What do you mean, Daniel? Well, for one thing, I've never seen a tiger that looks like me. I've never heard a tiger that talks like me. No. I don't know any other tiger that 
lives in a clock. No, neither do I. Or loves people. Oh, Daniel. Sometimes I think I'm too tame. Sometimes I wonder if I'm a mistake. I'm not like anyone else I know. When I'm asleep or when I'm awake, sometimes I get to dreaming that I'm just a fake. I'm not like anyone else. Others I know are big and are wild. I'm very small and quite tame. Most of the time, I'm weak and I'm mild. Do you suppose that's a shame? Often I wonder if I'm a mistake. I'm not supposed to be scared, am I? Sometimes I cry and sometimes I shake. Wondering, isn't it true that the strong never break? I'm not like anyone else I know. I'm not like anyone else. I think you are just fine as you are. I really must tell you I do like the person that you To all the listeners, 
Thank you for joining us here this week in the neighborhood. Music featured on the podcast was Nouvelle Noel by Kevin McLeod, and all other music on today's show is by my guest, Daniel Knox, from his album, You Are My Friend, The Songs of Mr. Rogers. Special thanks to the at Mr. Rogers Say community on Twitter. I appreciate you all. I'm your host, Rick Lee James. My Twitter account is Rick Lee James, and my website is rickleejames.com. My other podcast is Voices in My Head, and I look forward to being with you again next time. But until then, remember, you make each day a special day. You know how, by just your being you. There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.